Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Jason, it's 2021. It is a new year. But while the year has changed, there is one thing that remains a constant, and that is Budget Blinds of Lee Summit is still your home for Signature Series Shades. Continuing to hail our robot shade overlords that's right if you are ready to find all of the shades all of the home things you need all you got to do is go into downtown lee summit and see our friends at budget blinds of lee summit and tell them jason and nick sent you just make this one of your new year's resolutions and it's easy to take care of there you go Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is inaugurating his second term as host of this podcast. It is Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. I had this thought the other day. I would retract that celebratory woohoo. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying this for the record. We are really literally creeping up on the four-year. Is that right? I'm not so good at the maths. Well, because like 2017 was the uh, the charter and the recall vote. Wow. And then we had the, yeah. And so, yeah, it's four years, baby. Four We're creeping years. up. We should do a celebration. We, I, I just did. That's it. That's oh, all I'm giving that you. That was it. It's, okay. It's, it's a, look, it's, it's still COVID ruining everything. We can't actually, I can't, I can't even come over and give you a hug to celebrate. This is the thing. So. It's rough. It's rough. Right. High fives are done via video chat. And yeah. that's just not yeah. exciting for this anybody. Is, this is not great. Eh. All right. Visual visual for the podcast right there. All righty. Uh, Link to Lee Summit is as it continues to be the source for all the news you need about our very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today is the most important change in careers that we're going to talk about today. And that's the retirement of former San Diego Charger quarterback, Philip Rivers. Wow, that's there you a, go. That's a deep reach for an unofficial. It is an unofficial. I know. Well, you know, look, I I was going to make a Patrick Mahomes concussion comment, but then I thought, no, nah, it just doesn't feel right. And, no, no. I, and and for those of you who are not aware, today is the twentieth uh, of January, two thousand twenty-one, and we are inaugurating a new president today. And we tend to stay clear of what we'll call partisan and uh, and uh, national level politics. So I, I've just I'm, there's. It's it's as close as I get to transfer power joke that we're gonna get <laughs> is that what we just did there right today. So that's why Nick, what's going on in our community? Well, we're uh, this is gonna be a, a fairly short episode. I wanna I wanna get over to an interview that we recorded actually yesterday with Dr. David Buck, the superintendent of the Lee Summit R seven school district. Well, we got to really interrupt here and just say Dr. Buck is has been incredibly gracious with his time for us. Um, and I would say highly tolerant of our um, lack of professionalism as we've as we've gone through these interviews but to, to come or as on, my wife calls it buffoonery buffoonery yes i think that's actually the best phrase so <laughs> credit to to mrs link to lee summit there but you but we're, we're you know he has been incredibly gracious in granting us multiple multiple interviews 
And in addition to that, not only him coming on, but like not preventing other people in the district from coming on as well to talk <laughs> to us. So I just wanted to say that in front before we get to that. So, but back to what you were doing. Well, I, it, it, it's a good conversation. It was a nice chance for us to catch up with him, not only just for a few minutes to talk about the latest district decisions about returning to in-person learning and, and you know, the secondaries and a hybrid beginning this week. But we got to talk about a few other things that are coming up on the district. We we took an opportunity to say, hey, let's talk about something non-COVID related, which was kind of fun. Yeah, that's a fine, nice change of pace. Yeah, that was a, that was a good change of pace. Um, so before we get to that, just a couple quick notes. We're going to be back next week to talk uh, about a few things on the city government side of things. Because of our deadlines, we didn't really get a chance to 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 talk about it this week. But we'll have a little bit of conversation about the. Uh, Green Street Market Plaza, that project that's coming on, and we'll talk a little bit about the new diversity commission that has been championed by Mayor Bill Baird. So we're going to get to those next week, but Jason, what I what I really wanted to just get to was this interview with Dr. Buck, where we got to talk to him some about the decisions surrounding the, the district's um, learning modes, and then also some exciting programs coming up for the district that are going to begin next year. Absolutely. Um, I think a good interview. We, we did touch that. We, we, we got the obligatory COVID stuff out of the way. And then we got to talk about some, you know, as we like to occasionally, some good news that's going on in our community on cool new stuff that the district is doing and, uh, and an update on uh, where your tax dollars are going. And with that, we now give you Dr. David Buck, superintendent of the Lee Summit R7 School District. We are here with Dr. David Buck, the superintendent of the R7 School District. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Buck. How are you today? Very good. Thanks for having me. We're very excited to have you on. We wanted to, honestly, we wanted to have you on for what will be the last part of our interview, just to talk about some other stuff. But we do have to talk a little bit about, well, you know, the pandemic and how it's impacting the district and all that. All that stuff. So we're going to get that out of the way early, and then we can talk about like more fun stuff as as we as we go along. So, so last week the board uh, met and made a decision to return our uh, middle and high school age learners to uh, hybrid starting on the twenty fifth. Um, so that's how that's going. I mean, and correct us if we're wrong here, because I know there's been a lot of moving stuff and, and all that. Well, I guess we'll start with this. How are the pre-K through six kids doing in school? You know, everyone's very excited to have them back. Uh, it's gone very well. Uh, don't get me wrong. We've had a couple classroom quarantines and such, uh, but I think that's just going to be the reality. And that's the reality of other school districts as well. But um, as I walked through buildings last week, uh, people couldn't be more excited to have kids back. And so then beginning next week, we're going to we're going to see those seven through 12 students move into a, a hybrid model. And then after that, then the decision was to move into an in-person beginning February 8th. That's for a four day a week schedule. How did uh, how did that kind of decision come about? How did you come up with this this model and plan? So the advice we gave for recommendation wise is to move to hybrid uh, and to wait till vaccinations were in place and move back in full time. After the board discussed, they made a decision that on February 8th, we'll move back into a four day week uh, model. So that, so that four day week in person actually came from the board discussion and wasn't something really that you, you and your staff had, had tooled around with much. That is correct. Now we've, we've definitely uh, played around with every scenario you could possibly think of, but, uh, <laughs> but no, sure the decision came from a, a board conversation and decision. 
what I guess tell me a little bit about what that does just from the 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 staff and administration side to have to shift things from a five day schedule to a four. I mean, that seems like double complication. You know, there's the complications of moving everybody back in normally, but then also you're going to do a you're going to do a four day week. So I, to be honest with you, four day week in a lot of ways, curriculum wise, pace wise is easier than hybrid. Um, hybrids very much a challenge instructional flow wise. Uh, but as far as a four day versus five day, that fifth day allows us to uh, focus a little bit more on their online learning presence. Because um, remember, we still have almost 20 percent of our kids on online for the rest of the school year. You had mentioned earlier, one of the things you said was that you you said you had experienced some some classroom closures already as the elementary kids moved back. And you had said that other districts are seeing that, too, and you're going to do it. Uh, We've had in, in all of these discussions, we've had a lot of people comparing what Lee Summit does to what Blue Springs does and Independence and Kansas City and all these other. Is that really fair to compare one district to another? So I don't know about fair, but obviously we can learn from other people have gone through and what we found successful. We can also look at our internal data as we try to triangulate. We're not seeing a high level of school uh, transmission and that matches research. And we talk to uh, other districts to see what they're doing as well. I think the biggest challenge for us when we move to four day a week, obviously there's two, um, uh, even in hybrid busing during the bus, you're not socially distanced. Uh, that's just, we'd have to have eight people per bus to be social distance. Uh, and obviously we don't have that many buses. And the other is when we're eating lunch and cafeteria wise. Uh, so what we're trying to do now is work with our, our secondary buildings uh, to look at, can we create a second lunchroom? Uh, can we move tables in the hallways, things like that to try to spread out as much as possible. Um, and hybrid, we can get three feet apart during lunchtime at the secondary level. But obviously, when we have everyone back, we, we couldn't do three feet. These seem to be facility and logistic questions and models that you probably have never considered before in your career in administration. Uh, yeah, I'd, I've never carried a yardstick around when I've done walkthrough <laughs> visits, but I have, I have this year. I want to ask one more question, I, unless Jason has anything else. I'm going to ask one more question on this, and then I, I, I do want to move into to some other topics. But as we move forward, is this still a a thing where where you and your staff are going to be reviewing data on a weekly basis and then kind of considering all the options? Is, it, it, is that going to be a similar model to what you've done the rest of the year? Correct. Correct. And so we kind of uh, marked a, a 20% of our building being either quarantined or isolated. That's the time we'd moved to virtual uh, setting. So that's that's something we'll continue to monitor. Um, we had one grade level, um, just had a high enough level of quarantines that um, we decided to move a grade level in one building. It was two classes uh, into a virtual setting. Not that both classes were completely quarantined, but the vast majority were. And so we had so few kids in person, it didn't make sense to try to replicate for a few kids in person and the vast majority being online. So I think what I'm hearing then is that we're, we're really, once again, we're sort of saying, like, this is going to be a flexible situation. We're going to have to deal with things as they come along. And, and that's going to be the ask of, of our, our, our students and, and their families as we go, as well as obviously the staff in the administration, um, our teachers and our administrators as we go through. Is that correct? I mean, because this is something, like, here's our plan, but as we know, the virus doesn't always listen. That's correct. And, and that includes, you know, how we're using our antigen tests, which many districts chose not to do with students. We think it's an important thing because more information, the better, um, because if we find out. So the antigen test we give um, is meant for your symptomatic, but it's not serious symptoms. You don't fall into what's considered a, uh, 
a presumed positive. So there's a list of, hey, if you have one of these, you're presumed positive, or a list of two or more of these, you're presumed positive. But what if you have just one of those? It was in that list of two. That's what the antigen test is for. And we can find out information within 15 minutes um, for you. And so we can make better decisions and, and avoid having exposures as much as possible. Uh, if you have more severe symptoms, you shouldn't be coming to school. You should be going getting a, 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 a more significant test, uh, whether it's a lamp or, or so on. Okay. So the antigen test is that high speed test that, that kind of says, do you have the stuff uh, sort of in you at, at that point? And it's a little yep. bit less sensitive than the the PCR tests or the lamp test, I think that you were. Yeah. So the lamp test, I think you can actually get that. They might call that a rapid test too, but it's more significant than what the antigen test is. And the antigen test, like I said, you, it's not meant for asymptomatic, so it's not meant to be a screener, but it's meant for mild symptoms. And what our medical panel will tell us, as well as our uh, health departments, both of them, um, we'll say that if you are, are truly showing uh, multiple symptoms or you're truly sick, you might be getting a flu test, strep test, and a PCR test or lamp, depending on where you go, um, when you go. So, uh, you know, if you have severe, you know, throat, uh, sore throat and a fever, you, you don't need to become a school just like you should never came to school when you had a, a fever. Um, but you might be getting more tests and the antigen test wouldn't be appropriate for that. And if you do have a uh, positive test on a, on a PCR or a lamp, there is a 90 minutes, or I'm sorry, 90 day um, quarantine free window, if you will. So if you if you come out of that, you're no longer positive, but you were on one of those tests um, and you get exposed for 90 days, you wouldn't have any quarantines. Whereas the antigen test, you still would have a, a quarantine. Got it. So there's all kinds of tests for all kinds of things. I got it. Yeah. So, all right, well, we're going to transition away from COVID because goodness, we're all tired of talking about it when we have to. So let's talk about some, some fun stuff. We're going to start with uh, the bond issue and, and, and kind of go into that. So do you have any quick updates on how things are progressing? Obviously last spring, the, the uh, voters of the district overwhelmingly voted to support a very significant bond issue. That's a lot of new stuff coming uh, where are we on all those things? You bet. So you're right. 82% uh, voted yes on the second largest uh, bond issue in the state of Missouri. Uh, and I would say probably had the more, most additions of any bond issue ever. So um, we're about, I think I'm going to look at some notes here to make sure I don't miss anything. On safety and security, we've already worked in 14 of the buildings. We're going to, that touches every building. It's about $3 million piece. And that includes increased surveillance, surveillance and access control. Um, and the middle school is uh, well underway. Uh, we look to be about $5 million under budget so far. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Um, they're about 90% complete on, uh, on some of the uh, middle school and sports complex uh, foundation pieces. And you should see either today or tomorrow actually some steel getting erected uh, vertically. So that's kind of exciting to see out there. Um, so things are going very well on the middle school level. And with that, by the way, there's some improvements with the middle school coming in there. Um, so there's going to be stoplights at the end of the road there um, as it, it hits ransom uh, and a third uh, lane or a turn lane, if you will. There will also be a turn lane right there on, on Bailey Road as you go into the middle school. And there'll be stoplights farther down um, as you turn to go into our, our bus garage. And so we're all part of that, as well as some sewer upgrades uh, going south towards Sunset Valley uh, Elementary School that we'll be um, partnering with the city to do. So um, there's some actually upgrades there as well. There is two spots as, as well from either the east or west where subdivisions can connect into the property. Um, obviously, the ones there on the west, there's an existing subdivision, so that'll be already be there. But on east, there's already a dedicated uh, spot for that. Uh, in fact, that, that one from the east will actually be a road that cuts across into um, the west and the subdivision there someday. So that's all uh, 
ready for whenever there's a subdivision uh, directly to the east of the middle school. Mason Elementary is a $16 million project. Right now, it looks like we're at about $13 million for a budget. So we may be about $3 million under there as well. Um, that work's expected to finish in the fall of 21. And uh, so we're, we're excited about what's going on there. Uh, there's some footing being done. There's some uh, external demolition going on, and, and we should be starting with some renovations interior as well. Um, so there's quite a few mobile units outside set up uh, so we can uh, start some of that uh, gutting and renovating inside uh, Mason Elementary. So very exciting out there. Lee Summit High, there's, I'm going to break this out into two pieces. Um, so the main piece is that $80 million um, uh, guess. We don't have the budget on that yet. Uh, that should be coming contract-wise to the board in February. I can tell you we had 150 subcontractors come to the pre-bid uh, meeting the other day. Um, so there's a lot of interest in that work. Um, we do have some setup for things already happening there, some uh, you know, mobile unit for office space and such. But we should start seeing in February and March some mobile classrooms as we start moving um, classrooms and rotation out so renovation can happen inside. Um, so you'll start seeing that work probably really start in March. And then uh, as far as the early childhood ed education piece, that's, a, that's still in the design phase. Um, that'll be a prairie view. And uh, so we're, we haven't done any contracts with that yet. That's still in the design phase. Going back to Lee Summit High, we did have the athletic complex. We did approve bids on that. I think it came in about $1.8 million under budget. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. And if you've driven by recently, you've seen the demolition of, uh, of some pieces uh, there as far as the bleachers are concerned, which is kind of odd to see. And obviously all the three high schools have already had their track and, and turf replaced and, and fields. And of course, part of that is the sports complex going on in the middle school. So a lot going on, a lot more coming, uh, but so far uh, things are trending well. The weather has been really uh, on our, on our, you know, in our favor this winter. And so we haven't had any setbacks weather-wise. Um, so pretty excited about what's going on and we're coming under budget. Well, that is nice to, uh, to to get an update on that. I appreciate it. I know everybody kind of wants, always wants to know how things are progressing on those on those voter approved items. I want to talk a little bit about some, some programming things. The last time you were on the podcast, you teased a new thing that's coming up next year, and I'm hoping that you can give us a little more detail what's going on. And that's a an aerospace academy. Um, and and if I remember correctly, you had told us that this was really going to hit kind of education and training on every aspect of that industry from, you know, from mechanical side up through, through pilot and everything included. Can you, can you give us any more detail uh, about that program? Are we on track to begin next year? Yeah. So the aerospace Academy is on track to start this fall. Uh, your junior level will be uh, more a, a digital electronics aerospace program piece. Uh, and so it will be more a, uh, everyone gets very similar training pieces and then your senior year, we'd break out into one of seven tracks. And so those seven tracks include um, aerospace engineering, avionics, professional pilot, aviation maintenance, drone pilot, aviation management, and military aviation. And so we have partners throughout the region for each one of those seven. Uh, and we can't thank the, uh, uh, the Aerocraft Electronics Association for not only donating equipment, but also uh, plugging, us, plugging us in with providers uh, and employers throughout the region. And so this will be a one-of-a-kind piece. Um, we're also partnering with UCM, which has its own flight program over there in Warrensburg and has had one since 1970. So um, a lot of movement on there. I can't thank the city enough. They're, they're working on getting us hangar space, and they've uh, uh, penciled us in when uh, they expand the airport to have our own uh, learning facility as well there. 
That's pretty cool. That is very cool. That is really cool. Getting like you get the space at the airport, you get all the part. That's really awesome. That's really cool. And I and I will say that the skills learned, you could you could uh, take that into if you're going into other, you know, so I said maintenance, right? If you're working on aviation maintenance, that gives you a head start. And if you want to go into uh, some other kind of maintenance piece, um, if you if you want to go into civil engineering or anything else, the the way you learn in our aerospace academy will actually transfer very well into other fields. Um, but also will give you a heads up, uh, a, you know, a huge heart, a head start uh, if you want to go into the aerospace industry. Can you tell a little more ab- about a kind of a, a shift? You know, we for so long we were, uh, you know, everything was based on the the college prep, right? And now we're seeing a lot more of this type of career training. Can you talk a little bit about that shift and why we're seeing more and more of that? Well, uh, as I like to tease groups, uh, you know, and he's passed away now. His name is Mike Mittler um, on Mittler Brothers. He made parts for NASCAR and Lamborghini. Um, he would tease me when when I'd come over to visit him in his factory and he'd say, Dave, I want you to look in the parking lot. And I dare say the cars out here are nicer than most employers and they don't have college degrees. And, and he's a hundred, he's a hundred percent right. Um, back in the day. And I appreciate Mike and missing me passed away about a year and a half ago. Uh, but you know, that is a hundred percent true. Not every kid goes to college and our college graduation rate as a nation is about 50%. So uh, only 50% of the kids who enter college graduate with a degree within six years of entering. Uh, and that's a lot of debt. So we want people, we still want to strive for that. Don't get me wrong. We want to help kids prepare and be successful in college. We have about 85% of our kids choose to go to college, which is much higher than the state average. Uh, but that means 15% of our kids are not. And uh, we need to plug them in. I think Kaufman Foundation was very wise to focus on this market value assets and they include things within the career ready as well as college ready side of things. And so we want to help kids um, not only explore um, what their passions are, but see what's possible and then provide uh, help and and get them there. That is, that is excellent. So we, we have one other one. I know we wanted to to touch on um, a a program that we wanted to look forward to the, the grow your own teacher program. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You bet. So there's a few smaller ones in the state. Uh, There's a couple of them actually in the Metro area as well. Um, You know, a lot of high schools have uh, either a, a, uh, I want to be a teacher club, if you will, they'll call it various things. Uh, If you have a partnership with colleges, they can focus on things. Um, We're looking at a systemic piece to help out either um, if you're from underrepresented or, or maybe your first generation or something like that and try to help uh, promote the field and support you not only through high school, but through college and then back to, to us. Um, so it's kind of a grow your own program. Uh, the biggest one I know of is out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, Columbia, Missouri has probably one of the bigger ones in, in Missouri. But even Columbia's is only four kids a year. And um, we think we can do much bigger and grander. And so we're looking at not only a, a, a teacher prep program while you're in high school and you're getting college credit, uh, but then support uh, both from University of Central Missouri and us while you're in college. So you'd have a mentor from both while you're in college. And then giving them summer experiences during summer school where they're partnered with a teacher. And then as long as you're meeting certain standards along the way, uh, the first two years, uh, hire them uh, out of college to work here. So it'll be a high school to here with a lot of supports um, throughout and a lot of experiences throughout. I'm I'm interested in the the bring them back into the district initially thing. That's a I know that in in many discussions and and not necessarily in there that the the 
how do we get our kids to be able to work and live in Lee Summit once they're back out of college is, is a conversation that that happens a lot, a lot around housing affordability and other things. But I think your program is a really good, that's a really interesting piece to add on to that to help to help people uh, to do that if that's what they want. And we're working with the universities and I, you know, I think other universities are also talking with this, but UCM is our big provider with that. So we're actually adding staff next year for this uh, to help support this. And then we'll do stipends with our veteran teachers to be mentors throughout. But for the kid, we're trying to make it, you know, if not free, you know, close to free. But I think for in a large part, our goal is to make it free to go through college with our support and then uh, provide them actually some employment opportunities in summer where they can also gain experiences. It will help us and help them. Uh, down the road. If, um, if, if families here in the district, if they have students who are interested in this kind of thing, how can they start looking into that and, and make, make some contact? So I would contact out to our Summit Tech Academy and every high school has a counselor. That's a Summit Tech Academy counselor, if you will. Um, so if you call your guidance office at your local high school, um, they'll put you in contact with the counselor who's in charge of help mapping that out. Uh, but yeah, we've had a lot of meetings. That it's still uh, uh, forming, but you know, as of last week, it's it's starting to really take shape. And so I think uh, we're ready to fly next fall, both for Aerospace Academy, no pun intended, and uh, and for the. <laughs> oh, no, 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 come on! You're a dad. Intend the pun. Yeah. Embrace your I would say we're also exploring other things. We're probably not ready to fly out this uh, fall. Uh, we're also exploring. You know, we looked at different things that uh, Missouri is showing a, a shortage in workforce for. Um, CNC programs is one we're exploring. So if we ha- can find a partner with that, um, we would, uh, you know, envision doing so because we don't see a, a high uh, um, pipeline for that right now. But other things, we do see a, a greater pipeline. So welders are, are a huge need to state of Missouri. Um, Herndon Center has a great welding program. We send kids there. So I know that Shannon Booth is our CTE director, um, and she's really looking to uh, double uh, our participation in, in Herndon Center. And so breaking that, uh, that you know, that stigma, if you will, of going to a career tech center. We want to break that because I, you can get paid uh, high flying jobs and coming out of there. Um, for example, I, I had a program for a while um, where I left to come here uh, for adults. And I had 72 adults get trained in four years um, uh, to be certified welders. All 72 received a job and, and they were, you know, they were high paying jobs. I mean, they, they did well for themselves. And so, uh, so we, we definitely want to encourage our pathways we have such as welding or look to create pathways for like aerospace engineering or uh, maybe in the future a CNC program. And uh, many of those programs, I know, I know with, with Summit Tech Academy, those begin with, with junior, those are junior level and senior level classes. So when do, when do you encourage families to start kind of looking into that, those paths? So we're looking at creating clubs younger age, but I agree. Uh, so Summit Tech had a uh, open house virtually last week. Heck, my 16-year-old went over there today for a tour. They love giving tours. Um, so you just reach out to them at any time, and they'll be happy to walk you through and show what, you, what they do. There's some amazing programs over there. You know, their, their cybersecurity, and they work with Homeland Security, is, is impressive. The server room, I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen a sci-fi movie that has a server room like they have over there. Uh, the, the nursing program, uh, and they have multiple mannequins that are sixty to hundred thousand um, dollars that you can program, and you try to diagnose what's wrong with the patient, and they can reprogram it for the next, uh, you know, particular illness, and they help try to diagnose and, and treat a patient. is amazing. Um, so they, they have some amazing things over there. Same with Herndon Center and Cass. We send some kids to Cass County as well for their career tech. Um, so you know, work with your guidance counselors. I, I know that's one of the things we're working on with our our Kaufman grant. 
as we're trying to create a, a program where we explore different ideas uh, at the elementary level and try to uh, you know get more in depth about exploring them in the middle school level and then actually support them then at high school level. Um, so one of the pieces we're looking at is something called RISEC, uh, which is putting a lot of career fields in front of kids at the elementary level and they can you know really start digging in and see what's possible. Well, Dr. Buck, as we as we wrap things up here, I, I noticed as I was I was looking at some notes before you got on, and, and I realized that we are coming up on a year from really the the process of you interviewing yes. and getting hired for this position. And um, as we as we joked and alluded to earlier, you've spent most of your first year on the job centered on one topic. <laughs> are, are there some other things that you're anxious to 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 get to tackle? Um, some things that you want to you want to do and try to accomplish in this in this district that maybe you've kind of had to put on on the back burner for this year. Think of it as your first year, Mark Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I had to get my head around was, was looking at data and seeing where where myths are are true or where myths are truly myths. Right. Um, so when we look at some equity pieces, you know, if I look at our participation in IB courses, for example, we're very representative. When I look at, say, gifted education, we're not. Um, so, for example, on gifted, I brought in the director of gifted from state of Missouri to visit with some of our staff and some of our teachers and went over what you, what's a gifted program need to look like, what's it require, um, what is the CNS best practice, not only in this state, but throughout the nation. I, I you know, shared some of the pieces I had from, uh, from other people and other parts of the nation, as well as my own uh, experience. Uh, someone who used to teach at Missouri Scholars Academy, used to teach gifted students. And we're going to revamp our, our program, and it needs to be revamped um, because we are not representative in our gifted uh, population, and we need to expand it, and we also need to change our practices for identification. So so a lot of ways, the vast majority of it was, we're in better shape than I, you know, equity than probably most people give us credit for. And a, a few smaller ways, like gifted, well, we, need, we have our work cut out for us, and I'm excited about digging into that. Um, so as I look through, you know, um, one of, the, one of the things I heard coming in is, you know, at least some it's top heavy. Boy, we are not. When I pulled out the, the last set of data on executive uh, uh, functions, uh, what you know, you pay for not only administrators but secretaries and, and phones and such, um, we are the lowest in the entire Kansas City metro. Um, we spend about 5.1% of our budget on that, where the average in the state is about 7%. Um, some public providers get as high as 9% in the area, and some charter schools are double digits. In fact, the majority of uh, charter schools are double digits on that. So. We're very lean and efficient. Um, our teacher classroom ratio is pretty good shape. Uh, our, our students to administrator level, well, we probably have uh, more kids per administrator than uh, anybody else around. Um, I heard about high taxes. When I look at that, goodness gracious, we're not even uh, near the top in the county, let alone the state. Um, so we're about 75th percentile in the state, but you know, in, in the county, there's several districts um, who have a higher tax levy than us. So I was, I was happy to see some of those myths were easily dispelled, but there's other ones as we continue to dig, there's need for improvement. And so the gift to be the one I just worked on that last week. Uh, so I, I'll share that with you that we're going to have major changes coming forward. Well, and, and I, I'm glad you kind of brought up some of that equity stuff because that was, uh, that has been an ongoing conversation in our district and our community for a long time. And, it, and it's nice to see that it's, it's still ongoing and, and to also to hear just all of the different aspects of the district that that, com that conversation hits. So we are we are looking forward to more conversations on that as we move forward. Uh, just once again, thank you, Dr. Buck, for taking a little bit of your time today. I know you just got off your, your weekly call with all the health data. So, Another, so we appreciate it. Totally planned on when you, when, you took, when you initially interviewed for the job is weekly calls with the health department. 
<laughs> no, I, no, I didn't foresee that. I appreciate all their hard work over there, though. <laughs> well, Dr. Buck, thanks again, and we look forward to talking to you again next time. All right. Thank you both. Thank you. That was a nice little interview with Dr. Buck. We appreciate him coming on and taking the time to talk to us and answer. Uh, my questions were good. Jason's years were, well, not Typical. so much. Yeah. Typical. That will wrap us up for this week. We will talk to everybody next time.